it is because of you that we sing. It's because of you that we have life. It's because of you that we gather here today. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would not just be speaking to you, but that you would be speaking to us, that your Holy Spirit would convict, that you would draw us close to you, that you would bring us to a point today where we can't do anything the way we've done it, but we have to trust you. Lord, we pray that the things that we do would only honor and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Please have a seat. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. derision. Then he shall speak to them his, in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Thank you, Sarah. All righty, it is time. The little ones can go downstairs. They are free. And they're not free. They, they still have to stay in a classroom. All righty. Well, my name is Pastor Ruben. Uh, this is Living Hope Church. Thank you for being here today. It's good to see family. It's good to see friends and uh, visitors and if you're uh, new with us, uh, I'd ask you uh, if you could fill out, there should be in front of you a card. Uh, it just If you fill out some information there, uh, it just helps me be able to like reach out to you and contact you and see if you guys have any questions or what we can do uh, uh, for you. It, whoa, you okay? Uh, so right by where she fell, there's uh, on the table there, there's um, an offering box. The offering is for our church to support the kingdom work that God is doing here. Um, and so if you're a part of our church and, and you want to support the work, that's where we would give that. Um, but if you're a visitor, if you could fill out that card and just drop it back there, uh, I'd love to reach out and get in contact with you. Also, love to talk with you at the end of the service uh, and get to know you. Um, so we, I'm, I'm trying to confuse everyone today. And I have Sarah read the book of Psalms, or not the whole book, Psalm chapter number two. 
the second psalm, the second song or prayer. But we're in the book of Luke. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, we'll be in chapter number three. There's lots of reasons for why I do what I do, and some of them are good. Some of them, maybe, just why I did it. Um, but uh, we got three verses, and I'm going to read that. But three verses doesn't give me enough time to go down there and put this mic on and wipe sweat off my brow and pray for a minute before I come back up here. So uh, I had to read Psalm 2, which is absolutely wonderful, wonderful psalm. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. But we're in the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 3, and last week we kind of talked about <clears throat> John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist, I don't w- want to preach all of last week's sermon, but where we're starting in the book of Luke literally like picks up where we left off last week, kind of. Because um, last week Luke tells us a foreshadowing of what's going to happen to John the Baptist, not what we're going to read today. And so we're in the middle of John the Baptist's story. But John the Baptist is a preacher, he's proclaiming the, the, the repentance of the kingdom of God. He's baptizing people and calling on them to repent of their sins and, and, and to come back to God's way. And he's preaching the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's coming. And what's wonderful is this is the same message that Jesus starts off. In Matthew chapter number 4, Jesus' first sermon is really simple. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's it. That was this whole sermon. Like uh, I memorized it. I got all so proud. I was like, I memorized one of Jesus' sermons. It's not Matthew 5, 6, uh, 7, right? Yeah. The Sermon on the Mount. I didn't memorize that whole thing yet. Probably should. I'm working on it. But um, yeah, yeah, I memorized this first sermon, though. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is the same sermon. This is the same thing that J- John the Baptist was preaching. He's preaching about God's kingdom. He's, he's preaching about God's design for us. And, and what John the Baptist, one of the things he points out is that God's kingdom is not limited to our religiosity. And it's not limited to the Jews' religion, right? And, and I was trying to teach my children this earlier this week, last week. It's Sunday. Is pre, days prior last week or is it days prior this week still, within seven days? It was last week. Okay. So not two weeks ago, but last week. It was confusing. Anyway, I was trying to teach my children out of the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter number 12, God calls Abraham, and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family, because when I bless your family, it's for all the peoples of the world to be blessed. And so we recognize that the religion, the laws, the, the, the reason God chose the children of Israel, Abraham's descendants, and began to bless them was so that they then could bless all the world. And so what John the Baptist is preaching is it's not just your religion. It's not just, and that's not to say there's multiple religions, but it's not just for you. What This kingdom, it's not just going to the temple. This kingdom is God's kingdom. And what defines this kingdom except for the king? And wherever the king of, the, uh, of heaven, wherever he lives, wherever he reigns, is his kingdom. And it's not limited to the Jews. And it's not limited to just us in here. King Jesus rules forever over all people. And when Jesus, Jesus and John the Baptist, they're both preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand because here's the king. I'm getting way ahead of my sermon. John the Baptist is preaching this, right? He's preaching that we need to repent of living our own way. And we need to come to the king and live the way he's created us 
the way he's designed for us to live. We repent of our way and we follow him. This is what we're called to. This is what John the Baptist was calling people to. I, oh, you guys like being confused? I love, I said turn to the book of Luke, but I'm going to, I love how John puts this. The book of John, chapter number one, it, it, it talks about John the Baptist. He's preaching, he's baptizing. It talks about uh, things we talked about last week in the book of Luke. But then verse number 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Here's what's beautiful about this. John the Baptist knew Jesus because they're related, right? Uh, Mary and, and Elizabeth were related, right? You remember that story? And so, like, John the Baptist, we get to see the first time John the Baptist meets Jesus, right? And it's when Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, goes to visit Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And, and it says the, the babe and Elizabeth leaped for joy, leapt for joy, leaped for joy. I'm not sophisticated. If I didn't mess up enough earlier for you guys to figure that out, I'll mess up more, okay? So, John the Baptist, the first time he ever met Jesus, like, he leaps for joy because he recognizes. And Elizabeth then gives a promise about Jesus and what this means, right? But then we don't see them talking to each other. Now, obviously, like, they're, they're somewhat related. We know John, Jesus was out hanging around with other friends and got left in, with at the temple and and his parents just assumed that he was with family or friends, you know. So, like, I'm, I'm guessing John the Baptist and Jesus, like, it, as they're growing up, like, had interactions. And, and they knew of each other. But it's interesting because John the Baptist, back in John, I, I already turned back from it. He says, I didn't know. But then there's this one moment as he's preaching, as he's ministering, as he's baptizing people. There comes a man over the hill, and he sees this man. And in that instant, he knows God reveals to him, he speaks to him, and he says, everything you've been preparing for is walking towards you right now. And he says, this, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. This lamb, and the picture there is the sacrificial lamb that actually is going to lay down his life. And we know that Jesus lays down his life on the cross. He pays the penalty for our sin by taking our place. He substitutes himself in our place. He pays the penalty of our sin so that we can be forgiven. We can be made clean. See Jesus coming. So we're finally in the book of Luke, chapter number 3, verse number 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Here's the, like, I say the word crazy a lot. I actually put it in the kids' um, like, little bingo thing because I didn't know if I was going to say crazy, but I was pretty sure I was going to say crazy. But, like, 
this is really crazy. Right? John the Baptist, I don't know how long he was preaching. Like, he had a reputation. He gathered crowds around him. Not because he was healing people, but because he was dipping locusts in honey and eating it, right? Like, he's a wild man out living in the wilderness, screaming at people to repent. He's literally taking everyone and saying, do you repent? Are you willing to die to your sins? I'm going to bury you right now if you are willing to deny your way, to deny your selfishness. You're ready? Okay, I'm going to kill you and bury you, but don't worry. You get to come back out of the water. New life. God can restore. He can wash away those sins. He can make you new. So John the Baptist is preaching, and he's done this multiple times. He's taken all kinds of people. He's dunked them in water and pulled them out, and it's been wonderful. And people are like, okay, cool. But then they run around asking, okay, so what are we supposed to do now? Because, like, I use the towel, and it's all gone now. And he's just like, okay, well, yeah, I dunked you in water, but, like, this is a decision. This is the life that you live. You now live with God. You live according to his purpose. And, and, and you've got to live this way. So he dunks people in water, and then he has to keep telling them, okay, well, yeah, don't, you know, don't take extra taxes. Just take what you're supposed to. Okay, yeah, stop hoarding all your money, right? Like, he has to, like, walk through this with people. But then he sees Jesus, and God's like, that's him. In another gospel in Matthew, it says that Jesus comes and John the Baptist is like, you don't even need to be baptized. What are you doing here? Like I'm telling people they got to die to their way, die to their sins. they got to repent of their selfishness. And, and I don't think you have anything to repent of. It's important for us to recognize Jesus has nothing to repent of. When he came to John the Baptist to be baptized, John the Baptist was like, I know you don't need this. I don't, I don't know why you're here. Jesus says, do what you're supposed to do, right? Like, I sent you here to do this, now do it. And so John the Baptist is like, okay. He takes Jesus, he's like, um, okay, dunk you in water, right? Like, we have cool words today. I don't know if, you know, he was saying his name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, bearing the likeness of his death and raised to walk in the newness of life. Um, probably didn't have that. That comes later. But, you know, he, he dunks Jesus. As Jesus comes out of the water, everything's different. Everything's different. This has never happened before. Jesus, uh, John has dunked a ton of people, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And never when he brings them out of the water is anything different. Like they're wet now. But now he pulls Jesus out of the water, and it says the heavens were open. It says now the Spirit of God is descending upon him like a dove, and, and, and there's this voice from heaven. This is a spectacle for the ages. I, this, this to me, I always liken this to when, when three of Jesus' disciples go up into a mountain with him and they get to see Jesus shining in his glory and they get to see saints from before standing before him and conversing with him and they're driven to their knees in worship. And can you imagine being there when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus? I have no idea how many people heard or saw what. But everyone, I'm convinced, this is my opinion, I'm convinced everyone who's there watched Jesus get baptized and knew something was different. There's literally a physical representation of a spiritual being 
says the Holy Spirit was descending upon Jesus like a dove. I, I meant to look this up. Oh, no. How many of you, like, watched John Woo moves, movies? John Woo, he's a director. I can't think of a single one of his movies. But in every single one of his movies, he has a dove fly at some point in the movie. Why? I don't know. He does. But I want us to kind of... The Bible has to explain things for us to, like, try to understand. And I want us to maybe catch hold of this fact today. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Okay? Holy Spirit is something so much greater and pure and holy. It's something so different. It's something that really doesn't, like, in the physical world, it doesn't make sense. And in this moment, there's a marriage between the spiritual and the physical in, in this miraculous thing that now it is impossible in the physical world to say anything except this is God. There's a voice. There's a voice. I'm going to stick up for you. It was the voice that spoke everything into creation. It's the voice of our God. And he looks at Jesus. And he says, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. In this moment, when Jesus is baptized, I want us to know a couple things. First of all, Jesus didn't have to repent of anything. Instead, what Jesus is doing is he's identifying with the kingdom of heaven. And in this moment, Jesus is identifying him as the king of the kingdom of heaven. In this moment, though, he need not repent of anything. He is showing by this same symbol that all these other people were showing a desire to be in God's kingdom. He is showing them a public spectacle for the beginning of his kingship. Verse, verse 23 in, in Luke, it says this. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed. And, and, and it says a whole bunch of names, right? And uh, I thought about making Sarah read all the names, but... You guys can go read the history part if you want later. But the beautiful thing is the last verse in, in the chapter. It says the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And what I want us to begin to recognize is that Jesus, the, the same Jesus that John says was in the beginning, who created everything without Jesus, there is no creation, there is no life. This same Jesus is the same plan, the same promise, the same salvation that has been promised of God since the very beginning. When, when, the, when God promised that, that the serpent would, would bruise his heel, but he would crush the head of the serpent. This is the promise of the Savior 
every promise in Scripture has been pointed to and will be fulfilled. Not every single promise, but every single promise of God uh, like that is leading to our salvation is through Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to recognize we, we have here at Jesus' baptism, him identifying with the kingdom of heaven. In a way, we knew it was coming, right? Joseph and Mary were both prophesied to. Uh, Elizabeth and Anna and Simeon. All these people were prophesying that Jesus is going to be the one. But there's still this darkness, this shroudedness. Like, we don't understand it. Like, John the Baptist knew Jesus, and he didn't know it was him entirely until he saw him walking across the sea. And then he gets baptized, and it's all. It's go time. The king is here. Repent. The kingdom is here. It's time. Our God, his salvation is here. Everything he's promised is fulfilled because Jesus, our king, is here. You know, I ask myself, How do I preach this sermon? Like, how do I read three verses and tell you guys, like, this is the way this should interact with your life? Like, I, I've struggled with this. Like, how, how, how do we interact with this passage? Like, I can sit here and I can tell you the truth. We can all read it and we can all nod. And then what? Listen, there... There were people that day that saw Jesus get baptized, and they had to make a decision. And what I want you to know is you have to make a decision. There were disciples that, uh, of John the Baptist. They, they listened to him. They followed him. They helped him out where they could. And when they heard G John say, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one who's coming. This is the Messiah, the King that we've been waiting for. Do you know what these people did? They're like, hey, John, we like you, but we got to follow him now. Literally, some of Jesus' first disciples were originally John's disciples. They, they were like, okay, thank you for pointing us, and now we're going to follow Jesus. And I want you to know there were probably people that day that saw Jesus baptized that didn't follow him. That still had their own ideas about what the kingdom would look like. They still had their own ideas about what they wanted it to be and what they wanted God to do. And what I want you to know is we need to catch a vision of Jesus Christ. Not as, not as a man that needed to repent but as God himself. We need to see that he has the authority in heaven and on earth. We need to see that everything that heaven is working towards and promising is fulfilled in Jesus. And we need to make a decision. We need to see Jesus. But what are you going to do with that? And as I thought about how to to talk about this it's beautiful because God tells us the answer Psalm chapter number 2 Psalm chapter number 2 
Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. I want us to stop for just a second. His anointed. There's a lot of words because we're dealing with multiple different languages that ultimately mean the same thing. Messiah, Christ, promised, anointed, king. All of these become synonymous. All of these become synonymous. I want us to catch a glimpse here. The psalmist says, why why is the whole world worked up against the anointed? Against the Messiah. They, They rage, take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. When you see Jesus, this is not the notes, okay? So don't write this part down. We'll get to the notes in just a second. This is like the bad side. I am not telling you what you have to do. I'm giving you options. And there are people, when they see Jesus, they rage. And they devise and they scheme how to thwart, how to sidestep, how to hide. There are people, when you see Jesus, John, John calls him a light. He reveals, he reveals our wickedness. And, and it can be scary. When we see Jesus, sometimes there's an attempt to hide, to fight against him, to run away. Psalm, Psalm 2, verse 4. He who sits in heaven shall laugh. And he shall hold them in derision. And he shall speak to them in his wrath. One of the things that I think is absolutely beautiful about the baptism of Jesus is in that moment you see that Jesus has authority and power over things we can't even comprehend. Like, we can't comprehend it. What is the Holy Spirit? He's not a dove. I can't even comprehend it. What does the voice from heaven sound like? I don't know. I can't even comprehend it. Like, I, I, I was reading, uh, I've been, uh, we started uh, reading um, the Chronicles of Narnia to my kids. And we're, like, I'm trying to do the voice of Aslan. And big surprise, I'm not a lion, so I don't sound like a lion speaking. But I'm all like trying to give my manliest voice, you know. What's this voice from, I can't comprehend it. When we see Jesus, we have to recognize our powerlessness. I have no control over heaven. I have very little, probably no control on earth. And yet when Jesus gets stunked in water, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit's speaking, and and it's just like everything's changed. 
Oh, you want to you wanna fight and you want to live your own way and you want to you wanna rage. <laughs> he who sits in heaven shall laugh. That's so cute. That's sarcasm. I, I don't think he thinks our sin is cute, but to be clear. He shall laugh. He shall hold them in derision. And you're speaking of wrath. No, that's not what I created you for. And then he says this verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. The king. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. And a voice came from heaven. Said, this is my son. You are my son. You are my king. You are my anointed one. This passage in Psalms, hundreds if not thousands of years before Jesus was baptized, is talking about this moment. And God is declaring a decree in this moment, this is your king. This is your Messiah. This is your Savior. The words of, of John, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is my king. This is my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. When, when God declares this decree, he does it with force and impact and power. And when we view the, the baptism of Jesus we should see it as a display and a decree of Jesus' power. Jesus has all the power. He says it when he commissions us. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And what we need to recognize is the Jesus that we see that's declared to us is the God of heaven who has all power and authority. And so what do we do? What do we do when we come into contact and we see this Jesus? The psalmist gives us some ideas. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. First thing I want us to see, first thing I want us to do as we see Jesus today is pay attention. It is to actually be wise and, and actually take some instruction. Let's actually take some, let, let's look at Jesus and give some judgment. And let's say, wow, he has power I don't. It's important for us to begin to recognize who God is and who we are. And there's a stark difference between us. We come, we come to God in repentance, and he comes in power. We come broken, and he comes healed. It's important for us to pay attention.
attention to, to our God and who he reveals himself to be and who he reveals us to be. Let's actually pay attention and stop, stop trying to make Jesus fit within our mold and, and fit within what we think it should look like. Let's, let's stop trying to fit God into a box that, of our own making and say, well, now he has to do this. No, he's got the authority in heaven and earth to do whatever he wants. Instead of us telling God what he should do, we should pay attention to what he's telling us. Why are we raging? Why are we, why are we kicking against the pricks? Why are we, why are we, why are we struggling against our God instead of just listening and learning from our God. When we see Jesus, pay attention. When we see Jesus, serve him. Next verse, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. Whew, I definitely don't have time to talk about this too much. I'm going to move on. Listen, we're going to talk about serving him some more in just a second, okay? Serve the Lord when you see Jesus rejoice. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. I, I want us to know, like, when we see the power of our God, it should bring fear. But for those of us who are part of his kingdom and aren't, like, actively raging against him and wanting to sin against him and live our own way, when we actually have a desire to repent and follow him and serve him, then it's a matter of rejoicing. Yes, he has all the power to speak and knock us out of existence, but when we see his power, it, it's not like a cowering away and sadness and, like, hiding. It's a, it's a coming to him and rejoicing. I had no power over my sin and now he has power i had no power to forgive yet he can forgive i had no power i had no authority and he has all authority and now even though i'm i'm powers i have no power i'm broken i'm weak i'm lost i'm ashamed i can come to the foot of the cross and he has all the power to bring new life When we see the power of our God, and it's power. Power enough to raise up nations and bring them to their knees. Power to create heaven. Power to bring us to him. It's cause us to rejoice. When we see Jesus... Verse 12 says, kiss the son. Kiss the son. When we see Jesus, I'm going to put it in two words. Give him loyalty and love. I think I said them backwards. When we see Jesus, we need to give him love and loyalty. This word kiss the son, like, for me, it evokes, like, two different images. Number one is, like, affection. Like, it's, it's love. Like, it's... It's this intimacy, and intimacy is like a weird word. Like, don't don't take it weird, but like, like it's like this this 
this ability for, for God to know me and for me to know him, like a fully knowing and, and like actually like having this relationship where, yes, he's the God who can like literally speak and destroy everything, but he's also the God that speaks to me. And there's this, this matter of kiss the sun. There's this, there's this affection. There's this relationship that we can have with God. And when we see Jesus, the real Jesus, him we should love him we we need to be paying attention and learning about him seeing where he's leading seeing what he's doing learning what he loves learning what he hates learning what he he like finds funny like like we should like learn about our god we should develop a relationship with him we should be intimate with him and, and like actually like let him know our heart not trying to hide it from him all the time, but to lay it bare before him. We need to love our God. When we see Jesus, we should love him. But kiss the sun also gives me this, this image of like kissing the ring of the king. We cannot divorce Jesus from who he is. And we cannot divorce Jesus from the fact that he's the king of everything. He's our king. And I love him. But I owe him everything. I have no control or authority in my life. I owe it all to him. And he deserves all my loyalty. You know, Christianity, we... we we baptize people. When people say that they, they've asked Jesus to forgive them of the sins, that they've recognized that he is their God and their king, we, we take them and we dunk them in water, reminiscent of what John was doing and reminiscent of what Jesus did. And I want us to consider that baptism has two full meanings. One, it's this, this, this picture of what it means to actually repent for us to, to repent of our sins and to die and then allow God to give us new life. It's a beautiful picture of what repentance is. But it's also a beautiful picture of identifying with the kingdom of God. And when we baptize, when we get baptized, we are declaring, I'm dead to my own way and I'm following the king. I live according to what he says. Jesus, Jesus did not need to die or repent of his sins, but he did identify with this kingdom. And God did declare at his baptism who he was. And when we get dunked in the water, we declare to the world, I belong to the king. And now I give all my loyalty to him. When we get baptized, this is not, this is not some trite little thing we do. We're like, oh, cool. My grandparents came and saw me get baptized. It needs to be a declaration. I belong to the king. I belong to him. I'm his servant. I'm his slave. I go where he tells me to go. I do what he tells me to do. I, I, I live the way he tells me to live. I belong to the king. When we see Jesus, give him love.
Give him, Lord. The last verse here says, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. We can't trust in our own. We can't trust in our own power and our own authority. We can't even trust in our own desires. We have to trust him. That he is good, that he is faithful. That where he's leading, it may be hard in this moment. It may lead to all 12 of his disciples and death. But where he leads, I'm going to trust that it's good for him. And it's good for his kingdom. And it's ultimately good for us. Because what he wants for us is his design for our lives. Not just in this life, but in the life to come. And we trust and are willing to lay down everything in this life. Because he is the power and the control and the authority over heaven and earth and eternity. What I want you to know is this. I want you to be a judge. It says, be wise, O kings, and be instructed, you judges of the earth. And I want us to, I want us to each be individually a judge of the earth. And I want us to look at all of the evidence. I want to ask you, have you given a verdict on who you think Jesus is? Have you laid down your life and identified and given everything to your king? Are you running? Are you raging? Are you rebelling? Who is Jesus? He's worthy of your love and your loyalty. We, we mustn't. Lord, we come to you today and I'm just so thankful that you, you are who you are, that you are loving and that you are gracious and that you are merciful. And Lord, as, I, as I've tried to see you more through these passages, I recognize once again that you have all authority and power. And once again, Lord, I feel small and I feel petty. I feel so selfish for trying to do things against you. And so, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I repent, and I beg of you to make me new. And, Lord, I beg for everyone here that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit, who works in an entirely different realm and in this realm, that you would draw us, that you would draw us as a people, as a group, as a church, but draw us each individually, that you would draw us close to you, that that you would show us what we need to repent of and lay down. And that you would give life. That you would give forgiveness. That you would give restoration and renewal. And Lord, we pray for your kingdom. Lord, we do not want your kingdom to be filled with those, just those of us that are in this room, but for all of us in this community. Lord, we know what you have is good. I trust that what you are doing is for our good. And so, Lord, I beg that you would lead us as a, as a church, as a people, to know how we can reach out and share your kingdom 
to, to share your way and your design that you have for each of the people in our community. Lord, lead us. Most importantly, be honored and glorified in our life. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. I really don't like doing announcements at the end. This is the weirdest thing for me at all to be like, guys, we've got to repent and like follow Jesus and then be like, okay, so here's what we're doing. Like, I just, we're probably going to change that up because every week I apologize for, okay, now I'm transitioning to announcements and we're just going to change it because I, I, I don't like it. If you guys like it, then one of you can come do announcements, but um, as long as I'm doing it, we'll probably change this up. Um, so you have a paper here. Before we get to the paper, I want to mention um, Steve has may if made out this um, Bible study survey questionnaire thing, and it's on the back table. And so it's just it's just a couple of questions. It'd be nice if you put your information so we can follow up with you and talk with you. Excuse me. Um, I'm convinced one of the primary purposes of our church is to encourage and equip and enable to strengthen, as our, our mm, key words say, um, each other um, to do ministry, to, to live this life, that, that we can be like John the Baptist, like giving the helpful hints of, okay, so we've been dunked, we've identified with Jesus, and he's leading us, but like, how do we do that, right? And so one of the ways that we can do that is on a more intimate setting to be able to have some more discussion instead of me just talking for 40 minutes straight, like to actually like interact with each other. And so there's a questionnaire in the back. If you could fill that out and, and maybe like really what we're kind of looking for is maybe there's stuff for like topics. But a big thing, too, is like like when can you do it? Like when would be a good time for us to do a Bible study that maybe you could actually participate with? Now, that being said, we have one Sunday night. Steve is leading it. I think tonight's our last one in this book, and then we've got some different things we'll do for a couple weeks. Um, but Bible study tonight, we're meeting in that middle room over there at 6 o'clock. So if you can come tonight, we would love to have you. Um, it's, it's been really encouraging, some of the discussions. And I think we do a decent job at, like, ignoring the book when we're actually having good conversations. But maybe we're bad at it because we don't stay on topic. I don't know. It's good. It's fun. Wednesday nights, we have youth group and we have kids club. Um, uh, kids club, pre-kindergarten through fifth grade and youth group all the way up through high school after that. Um, uh, right now, here's what I'll tell you. We're, we've we've kind of tried to play it by ear so far. Um the, the youth group for a while has been getting meals in the kids club. We haven't said that they can go eat, but like we have enough of them here. We should probably start offering food instead of like making four-year-olds stare at someone else's food, right? Um, and so uh, uh, we're going to, um, my wife and I and, and some of the other workers, we're going to start looking at what it looks like to subsidize. So if you've already signed up to bring food um, for youth group, you, nothing's changing for you. Um, we're just going to try to add on to it. And so, like, I might come contact you about what that looks like. So if, if you need to get your kids here and they haven't eaten yet, like, they're not going to starve. Also, we give out candy, so they're not going to starve anyway. Um, 
So cool thing, next week, I have it written on my hand. Next week, February 4th, it, we're going to start doing a potluck maybe every first Sunday of the month. Maybe not every first Sunday if we're like busy, but uh, we're just going to do a potluck. It's just the time for us after church uh, to kind of hang out and interact with each other, maybe get to know each other, build some relationships. It'd be nice. It'd be wonderful. And we like doing it around food. So the, the theme for next week is your favorite food, okay? Um, fa- How is favorite potluck dish di- different than your favorite food? What's your, what are you bringing? I got nowhere else to be. All right. One other thing coming up that I want to mention is February 16th. This is uh, the Friday after Valentine's Day. Um, we're offering free child care so that parents can go have a date night. And so free child care here, here at the church um, uh, from 5 to 830 so 8.30, you actually have to come pick your kids back up. Um, but 5 to 8.30, we'll feed them and we'll make sure they don't, like, destroy everything. Uh, we'll entertain them for a little bit. Um, and then parents can go have a nice date night without all the crying and laughing, of which we love. I want you to know, Faith, absolutely love it, okay? I, it does not bother me at all. I've got four kids. I can ignore them all day, okay? So... <laughs> Like, it doesn't bother me at all. But, like, if you're ready for a nice, quiet night without them, come bring them. Uh, February 16th, uh, we'd love to watch them for a little bit. Uh, Any other announcements? Anything else we got going on? All right. Mrs. Barnes, do you want to pray for us as we go?